On this episode of The Mompreneur Show, I'm talking to Jody Temple-White. She's an incredible wife and mother to two teenagers. Jody, I'm going to ask so many questions uh, for you about that. And uh, a soon-to-be author, uh, traveling the world um, nomad, I think that's what people call it. She traveled the, wor- the whole entire world with her husband and two teenagers um, in just over nine months. And today she's going to be talking about how to live the life that you love. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Vicky Lashenko, and this is a show that features amazing stories of the most remarkable mom entrepreneurs. I am so happy that you're here. Hey, Jody! Welcome to the show. Hi, Vicky. It's great to be here. It is so good to have you. Now, Jody, I stumbled a little bit in the intro, but um, when, why don't you tell us um, a little bit about you, and then I have a special surprise for the guests um, with a with an awesome video. A little bit about me. So, currently, I am in Oregon. We are definitely um, nomad, as you introduced us. We have. We've done a nomad life, and then we landed for a little while, and we are now kind of moving around a little more. We're currently up in the mountains at, um, outside of Portland, Mount Hood area, and um, my husband and I, my daughter who's 15, um, are staying up here for a couple months, and then basically in November, we're figuring out where our next stop is going to be, so it's pretty exciting. Uh, a little bit about us. So as you mentioned in the intro, we spent nine months traveling around the world, in a what we call a low-budget, high-adventure trip, where we basically bought tickets to Australia. One-way tickets, we had two nights lodging, and what we knew is that we would figure it out from there. And at the time, our son was 15, um, and 16, 16, and our daughter was 11. Um, so we were definitely backpacking it around the world and letting, um, letting where we were led, we were just led where we needed to be. And in most of the places we volunteered um, by just asking questions of people like, what should we do? Where should we go? Who can we help? And so we participated in over 26 volunteer service projects in different countries. So it was a pretty amazing experience. That's amazing. And so like, you can talk about this for forever. I mean, I know we talked about this every single time that we got together, but um, Jody has sent me this amazing video that in just four minutes will capture most of her trip. And it's in just short four minutes, you'll be able to see uh, the places they've gone, the things that they did. So uh, Jody, are you ready to show them the video? Absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> I'm so, so excited. All right, you guys, we'll be back in just four minutes. Watch this incredible story of Jody and her family. You can only live your dream if you have a dream to live. Meet the travelers, John, Jody, Allison, and Riley, a comfortable middle-class family, but like many people, felt their lives had become an all-too-familiar routine. They decided to give away most of their belongings, fill four backpacks, and embark on a year-long journey around the globe to serve others and discover the true meaning of life. Their friends and family thought they were crazy. They are crazy. 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 And I was like, whoa. Who knows what will happen? Their intention was to transform themselves and remember what is really important in life. Through immersing themselves in world cultures, 
and volunteering along the way, they were committed to living their dreams and making the world a better place. They decided to live their dream. They decided to sell everything, take on this voyage to go out and serve people. And what happens is your heart gets thrown open at levels that you can't start to imagine. So what's really wonderful about giving of yourself at service is that we often do it from this philanthropic vantage point that we're going to make the world a better place. But what I call the cosmic banana peel is once we give ourselves in service, inevitably our lives are the ones that are changed for the good. And while spontaneity has been their compass, they have invited magic and miracles to be their guide. So you don't need to be an authority on, on what elephants need or monkeys need or apes need, but we can all do something and what a difference that would make. If we can inspire people to live their dream and to do something and to step out and encourage, that's a really cool thing. You're a tourist compared to a volunteer. Different mentality, I think. And I kind of like that mentality because you're there to help instead of you're there to observe. And Allison, the bright and inquisitive 11-year-old fashionista, befriends and charms everyone she meets. At age two, Allison was diagnosed with a rare case of neurosarcoidosis, which stole her ability to eat and speak. She had to relearn how to chew and swallow and even make the most basic of sounds. Ba, 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 ba. Ba, 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 ba. Very nice. Allie is not defined by her communication challenges. She gets beyond that. And has a On this voyage, she is seeking her roots and is most eager to volunteer at the orphanage in Russia where she began her own life. This is not just a story about a courageous family searching for meaning. It is a story of all of us, of how to live our dreams and make a difference in the world. Above all, it's a journey of transformation and openings of the heart. What if we just were willing, not to change our lives forever, I'm not even saying that, but just willing to set everything aside for a moment in our lives, just for a moment, and tend to the needs of others. Do something that is going to make this world a better place. What would happen if we were all just willing to do that? Wow. Did you guys enjoy as much as I did? What a beautiful uh, video of just like it captions most of the amazing things that you guys did, Jody. Um, so now let's go back and to before you guys started traveling, before you took the crazy trip around the world um, and share with us how how did you start on this? How did you embark on this beautiful journey of travel, of building the life that you love? Um, the communication between your children and your spouse. How did it all begin? Ah, so I was, I, my entrepreneurial journey started 
way back before Riley was even born. But when he was two years old, I was running a company that we did national conferences for women across the country. We were educating them on financial topics and things like that. And while I was on a plane, I was talking to a woman. So Riley must have been about two years old. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a woman who told me about the time that she took her two teens in the 70s around the world. So this was like before internet, before there were Airbnbs, there before cell phones, all of that stuff. Wow. And I was completely amazed. And I remember looking at Riley because he was traveling with me at the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do that someday. And I was newly married also uh, to John. And I went home to him and I said, oh my gosh, I heard this amazing story. And I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. So that started our journey of asking what if questions. Like, what if we sold everything and traveled around the world? Mm. So we started having these what-if questions and conversations way early in Riley's life. And then we added Allison to our family, and we continued asking those what-if questions. But it wasn't just what if we sold everything and traveled around the world, which was kind of the foundation question, because mm -hmm. then that led us into all the other things. What would we do? How would we meet people? What would we do if we got homesick? All of those questions started happening. And at one point, we said to ourselves, why not? Like, what's stopping us from taking this action? And um, we all agreed through a course of conversations. And these were dinner conversations. These were times in the car, you know, when you're trying to engage with your kids. And, you know, like, what if um, we all agreed that if we were going to do this, we all had to be in. Like, we mm, all had to be 100% in. Um, and so it took a while. So Allison was always in. She was always like, let's go. When are we going? Come on, come on, come on. Riley, who was in his middle school years, when it really started kind of getting a little more serious, he was like, nope, I don't want to leave my friends. I don't want to leave um, what I know. This is too crazy. And then through a course of just a lot of different things of how we've all just kind of moved to that space. He came home one day, his sophomore year, and his, his spring of his sophomore year, so mm -hmm. he was 15 years old, and he had spent the day, unbeknownst to us, sitting in the gym of his high school with the lights out because electricity went out, um, and they wouldn't let him go to class, and they wouldn't send him home because... The, because of funding, they didn't want to add another day or lose the day, that sort of thing. And he sat in that gym with all these kids, 2,000 kids or so, and he went, this is ridiculous. Why am I sitting here? I could be out traveling. I could be doing other things. And he came home that day and he said, Mom, I'm done. I'm not going back. <laughs> and I was like, what? He goes, and I'm ready to go. And I was like, what do you mean? This is March of 2012. And he goes, I'm ready to go on that trip. Let's go. So then John and I really had our feet to the fire because we knew that that was our moment. That was our moment to like leap into this trip that we had talked about for years. And so we said, okay, let's do this. And then a series of events just like I've seen happen over and over again. Once you say yes, things line up, and that's exactly what happened. Um, the kids were, were, Allison was already doing homeschool, so Riley was seeing that. He jumped into a homeschool program to get used to doing school at home or on the road. And that November, we left um, for nine months with the agreement that we would come back so he could finish his senior year. 
Um, and so wow. that runway um, was filled with lots of questions and lots of conversations and lots of agreements um, in a way that was an agreement for the group, our family being the group. That's There's four of us. How can we make this work? so that we all get what we want and need and we go on an amazing adventure. That's incredible. So, Jody, I have so many questions for you, but before I ask you, I want I want to turn to our audience and ask them how incredible is this like to just leave everything and go travel for nine months i personally know of a few families that have done that and one of them was also a guest on our show stephanie langford um and it's incredibly inspiring to me and the whole communication part where you talk to your son about it and you know the teenage years they're really difficult years for a lot of children and the fact that you had this like really very clear open conversation with him and then you let him essentially let him decide what he wants to do because that it reminds me of our move to um to back to uh, to south carolina from portland oregon and first peter had this idea he talked to me we kind of talked about it we explored different places and then we brought it to our kids once we made this decision and we were like okay what i mean the kids our kids don't rule the world but our world but we do want their opinion and see what they had to say too so i love that you mentioned this communication is like we're all one big team so that's awesome and those of you who are watching us live let us know in the comments below would you be able to just pack your backpacks and travel the world for nine months i would love love to hear what you have to say and back to you Jody. so you you adopted allison before yeah. doing this crazy trip um from from um from russia can you tell oh us God. a little bit about that how did that happen what was the inspiration what was the process like sure so that kind of gets into the entrepreneurial journey that i had so i was doing that event um company as i mentioned before um we closed that down in early 2000 um, and I was faced with, what do I want to do? I've worked as an entrepreneur. I've done my own business. I've worked on commission. So what is it that I want to do? I had been working so hard for so long that it, it was a good time for me to just kind of stop and assess, like, what what's mm -hmm. next for us and for our family? And John and I um, wanted to add to our family. We actually have, I have actually, we have five kids together, by the way. So we have two youngest ones, but I got three bonus, great bonus kids in the marriage with John. Um, and they are all married and they actually have um, kids too. So I'm actually a bonus grandma five times over. So That's we have, <laughs> so we have this beautifully blended family, but we wanted to add one more um, and we couldn't do it naturally. And so again, going back to the what if question, we said, what if we adopt? What if we add to our family in that way? And so through that process, we kind of went down the path of domestic adoption versus international adoption, um, and their path led to an international adoption. And through that process, I was going through the home, we were going through the home study, and my path switched again in that through the course of that, I was hired to be um, the operations, because my background is in systems and business, um, the operations director for this international adoption agency. So I got to learn the ins and outs of how international adoptions work. And that led me to the agency that I eventually worked for where I did all the training and development for the staff and families 
that then led us to Allison. So that's how we added her to our family. She was just under a year old when she came um, home. Mm. And yeah, so she's now 15, bright angel star that she is. So yeah, that was a beautiful journey. Um, and it all, again, started with the whole what if. What if we do this? Mm. And finding the solutions as we went along. Really interesting. So I remember this was in Portland, I think, this year um, when you told me about your book um, called The W3 Factor, and mm-hmm. which is so fascinating to me. When you told me what it means, my jaw dropped, and you remember that. And I absolutely love the, the strategy behind it. Could you share with us more about the what if? Sure. So the W3 Factor is, is comprised of three questions. What if, why not, and what's next? And what that does is what the idea behind it is that we ask lots of what if questions. We see that a lot, like what if this, but how can we use that to help find solutions, to help create conversations in our family? Um, A lot of times we do it with ourselves, but we use it with our family because what it does is it allows everybody an opportunity to have their say, is an opportunity to share their ideas, their their suggestions, no matter how crazy they are. And so the what if concept is like, what if we, like for an example, when we were on the trip, what if we get bored? Mm. That was one of the questions. We're going to be 24-7 with each other in tiny spaces. We're not going to be staying in resorts. We're not going to be doing um, vacation-like activities all the time. What if we get bored? What are we going to do? And that opened the conversation of, well, we need to find something to do. Could we maybe, you know, somebody threw out the idea of volunteering. Somebody had read a book about volunteering vacation. So it was like, what if we did that? Now, what does that look like? So all of a sudden, it gets mm. that buy-in. Um, and as you said, it's a conversation that opens doors, opens solutions, problem solves, and lets everybody get the buy-in for what could happen. Mm. And so the other question is, once you've done the what if, then it's like, why not? Why not volunteer at places where we're going to be? What's stopping us from doing that? Mm. Nothing. The only thing stopping us is us, right? And so then we went about to say, okay, so how's that going to look? What are we going to do? And now what's next? What's the next thing that we're going to try or work on. So that's kind of the W3 factor summary. What if, why not, what's next? And this can happen not just about your trips. This happens with everyday life stuff. Everyday life stuff. We use what if. So Jody, it's so funny because I think naturally um, good communicators use that strategy without realizing it. So for example, before we made the move cross-country move, um, we asked ourselves, well, what if we don't like it? And because that's like a question that, you know, when you move to a new place, you make this huge life commitment. What if we don't like it there? And one of our answers was, we'll just move back. No big deal, right? (laughs) And I think that it really helped us make the decision because oftentimes that we get into this this, our little own world and and think, oh, the world is going to end if we, you know, if we don't like it or whatever. But honestly, asking yourselves these questions is so helpful. So what would you say, like, are, um, what, how do you get your family around the table? Because we're, we're this, mm. 
you know, we're always on the go. We're always doing stuff. We're always taking our kids to to games, to school, to after school activities. How do you make the time to come together and communicate? Mm. So that is like I use the story around dinner time because that's what most people mm-hmm. identify as the yeah. time that families get together. Yeah. What I know is yes, we are and is we are so busy, um, all of us, parents and kids, and getting places. Yeah. So I would I would talk it I would do it when I could in cracks of time. This for us as a family, we're all pretty active people. So yeah. we would make a commitment to at least having dinner three times, four times a week when we could. When we couldn't, you would often find us in the mornings on Saturdays around in the kitchen as making breakfast going. And so you find it when you in cracks of time when you can. Yeah. Um, when you're in the car, I found that you know that's a time that you can actually open conversations. But what happens a lot of times is that we, as parents, sometimes use that time to be the teaching lesson or to be the time that we need to instill some kind of story or lesson. And what I found mm-hmm. is that with the what-if questions, um, if you parents need to learn how to listen for the answers because one, a lot of times, and we, we fell victim to this ourselves, we would ask what-if questions and our kids would come back with these crazy answers and we would go, Oh, well, that's not, that's not possible. Or maybe have you thought of it this way? And all of a sudden we become this, we, we tell our opinion, we become an interrogator, we become, and all of a sudden our kids start to go, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to share that because. Exactly. Um, and when they're little kids, we allow them to play and use their imaginations and run. But what somehow, what I, what I've been seeing is that when they get to 10, 12, you know, into their teens, all of a sudden, us parents think that we have to somehow make them more serious and think about college and think about all the things that they need to know as an adult. And what I say is temper that and let them run with their imagination mm. and know that nothing, nothing is impossible. Here, mm. can I tell you a quick story Please about do. Alice? Okay, Please so do. here's a story. When we were talking about leaving um, on the trip, we were talking about all the places we wanted to go. We each mm-hmm. got to pick four countries we wanted to visit. Um, which we didn't even hit those. I mean, we hit a whole bunch of others plus some. But Allison really wanted to go to Paris. Wow. And she wanted to have her birthday in Paris. Oh now, her God. birthday is in September, right? And I, we knew that there was no way we were going to be in Paris in September. First off, it's way too cold. And anybody who knows me, <laughs> I'm a bit solar-powered, so I like the heat. Um, but anyways, as she's telling us, we're like, well, what if you could spend your birthday anywhere? She, she goes into Paris, and we're like, oh, okay. So I said, what would you do if you were in Paris and had a day? And she listed off this beautiful experience of a day that she wanted to have in Paris. Now, John and I, in the old time, might have said, well, that's a great dream, but we're not even going to be near your birthday, near Paris during your birthday. Yeah, and yeah. just kind of shut her down on that. Instead, we let her run, and we let her play, and we let her tell us all the things and we discovered that she had done so much research about Paris and about the things to do there and the food. It was a fascinating conversation because I learned stuff I didn't know. So, fast forward. We're in Paris. It's March. Her birthday's in September. We wake up one morning and I said to John, I'm like, what if we let Allison have her birthday dream today? Who's to say that she can't have her birthday in March instead of September? So we woke her up and we said, Allison, today it's your birthday. You get to do your day. And she lit up. 
she got her hair cut in a cute Parisian style. She went, we went and had fondue. We went ice skating. We visited the Eiffel Tower at night. And all of that happened because we asked what if, and we let her go. We let her have her dream. And that's the power of what if. You learn about your yeah. kids. You get to have conversations and create memories. And that's why it's so powerful. Oh my goodness, that is absolutely beautiful. So let me go back a little bit and talk about the the question what if in ki- with kids in every single scenario. Like you can talk to them, you can ask them this question anywhere, anytime, about anything. And mm-hmm. it reminds me that I, we oftentimes, especially like you guys, I, this is me uh, in my culture. Like I was raised in Ukraine and, you know, parents were raising us. My, my mom was really busy at home with the chickens and the garden and the laundry and everything. My dad was a businessman, so he would travel a lot. And so although my dad spent great quality time with me, with us kids, there wasn't, I wouldn't say we had very deep conversation, open conversations with our parents in general. um, And we never really talked about that. And so naturally, me as a mother, we tend to do the same thing. How how we were raised, that's how we raise our children. And of course, I've been very intentional on doing things um, very intentionally as far as like talking with with kids, having that connection, the quality time. But one of the things is asking questions. And oh my goodness gracious, usually it's the kids asking us questions and we're, you know, at a certain age and we're like, oh my goodness, that's so many questions. Like we just watched Dennis, Dennis the Menace over the weekend. Oh my <laughs> goodness, that kid. It was so funny because so many questions. It reminded me of my son, Ruben. He asks questions. But when you flip it around, you get to know so much about your children and they get to answer you in ways that you would have never thought possible. So my my goal for today and the rest of my life is to ask what if questions to my Sam, to Ruben, and really get the conversation going because I think that's more important. And I would love to hear uh, from our live audience. What do you guys think um, about traveling abroad with the kids? And uh, a second question, what do you think about asking them deep questions? Um, I know Olga just um, wrote this beautiful piece about how she loves um, this episode and how much she would love to um, to travel. And she said, honestly, there would be so many questions and procedures that it might seem overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Well, Olga, um, Jody went traveling without a plan. They just bought one-way ticket to Australia. <laughs> that might be a good start. Uh, but you're, she said her honest answer is, I want to do this with my family. Olga, I'm right there. Maybe we should do like a double family travel because I will totally love to do that with you. And then Nikki Green said, um, a great seeing your face, Jody. You and your family are such Hi, an inspiration Nikki. to so many. Keep on keeping on, girl. <laughs> That's awesome. And thanks, Casey thanks. Nelson said, loving this. Casey, thank you so much, honey. Um, I really appreciate you for joining us live. Like It means the world to me that you're engaging, you're commenting. We're having a, not just like a conversation, just Jody and I, but we're having an all-around conversation with me, Jody, and you as you're sitting at home on your computer or on your phone or wherever you are. And that's the beauty of the Mompreneur Show is because I intended it to be this way. I intended it to be uh, conversational. Now, Jody, Jody, back to you. Oh, my gosh. I can just like go <laughs> on and on. I have a question for you that I think many, many will have because I have it, obviously, right? And the, mm-hmm. the part of marketing is that like when you have the pain there is someone else that has the pain too, guaranteed. So I have this question that guaranteed somebody else has. 
So you go on this nine month trip. How in the world did you like save money for it? Did you sell all your stuff、um, in order to to make this happen? How was it with the finances? Like you guys had such a beautiful time in Paris.、Um, you guys went on all these different、um, tours. How like how did you make it happen financially? Okay, so. Get this question all the time、mm-hmm. about how much it costs and how did you pay for it. So, the the first question, the first part of how we paid for it.、Um, my husband has a he has his own business because we're both entrepreneurs. So we both work from home. We are like all under the same roof. Even、yes. Allison to this day she homeschools. So all three of us are all tight here. Riley has moved to the Bay Area. So right, John has had his、um, business for a long time, and his business pays him a residual income, and that residual income is what allowed us to go on the trip.、Yeah. That said, though, the trip was not as expensive as many of us think. Now, a lot of times we think about going on trips, and we equate it to what it's like when we go on vacation, right? Because on vacation, you're you know eating out all the time, you're doing all the activities, you're cramming so much stuff. Into maybe a one to two to three week period, right? What we knew is that we had nine months, and we knew that we could not live. Our our residual income would not afford us to live at that level for nine months. Nor would we want to, honestly.、Mm-hmm. That's not how we are as people.、Mm-hmm. So we said, what can we do? So our goal was to be、um, all in for like all of our lodging, accommodations, activities, and everything. For fifty dollars per person per day, that's what our goal was、mm-hmm. for the nine month period.、Mm-hmm. Now, that seems so. You're like, okay, so two hundred dollars a day. So that includes any lodging we have, any food we eat, any activities, the laundry we pay for, any kind of transportation to and from. And so John was the money guy. He kept the money tally. In some countries, we were well under what the budget was when we were in Europe. We were not. There was just not possible to to be in Paris for under fifty dollars per person yeah, per day. Yeah. But it all averaged out to I believe I should I should get this down. But I believe we were like at forty five dollars, forty two, forty five dollars per day per person, all in. So for us to travel around the world, it was cheaper for us to travel around the world than it was for us to live in the United States for the nine months. Wow. Okay. So how do you calculate that? Well. We didn't have car insurance. We didn't have all of the things that we were that we have on a day to day basis. I mean, it's just we had expenses, but they weren't anything compared、mm. to what we were doing. When you when you have kids in high school,、oh、anybody who has kids in high school and just school in general, you know, you're constantly like, here's five bucks here. Oh, here's a fundraiser. Here's this. Or here's there's just like. Talk about feeling like a regular ATM machine. I mean, you're just like. <laughs>、yeah. And on the trip, we were just really conscious of where we stayed. And and honestly, before we went into the trip, and this goes into your question about communication, we made we had lots of conversations about the option of staying at homestays or Airbnbs or hostels. And hostels are great options for anybody who's traveling overseas. They're not at all like what you see in the U.S.、Mm-hmm. There's very many family friendly friendly hostels. Um, we decided to to cut back on our accommodations so that we could have more fun in other areas.、Mm-hmm. So we wouldn't do activities every single day. We actually were kind of on a, you know, we'd we'd land, we would find a place, 
We would spend a day or two getting acclimated, catching up with school because they were both online school self-study programs. Wow. And then we would spend a day of going out and exploring. And on occasion, we would have these events that, you know, we knew we kind of planned ahead for because you needed to make reservations. But most of it was just like, what did we find getting there, meeting locals. People are so incredibly friendly and mm. helpful around the world. And we overlook that and think mm. that we have to have everything all lined up and in place. But in fact, you can find some of the best things by just waiting and meeting the locals if you're willing to. Mm. So. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to like, I hope my husband is watching because he really <laughs> does. And because this is something that we should talk about for sure. But so the expenses, I want to go back and talk about the expenses. So that totally makes sense because we pay for every single little thing in the United States, the insurance, the car insurance, home insurance, the the garbage, water, electricity, uh, mortgage. And let's talk about the mortgage. What did you do with your house? Did you rent it out during the time that you were gone? Did you sell it? Well, we tried to sell it, but the market was so bad when we were doing it yeah, that we opted to go ahead and do a long-term lease on it. And so we found a, a rental company who actually leased it out for us. Um, and we still have the house, but it's currently also being rented on a, on a long-term lease again. That's why we're moving around. So the the rent definitely paid for itself, paid for the house. So basically, we had no um, expenses there. And yeah, we gave most of our other stuff away. Um, we sold a car. We had one car that we left here. Anything we wanted to keep, we either loaned out to friends or we put in a small storage unit. But we downsized quite a bit. Like our going away party, we told people to bring their cars because whatever was in the garage, that was their take-home gift. <laughs> they could take whatever they wanted from the garage, whether it be vases, jewelry, pillows, whatever was out there they could take first come first serve and by the end of the night everything was gone i think we had a small little load to take to goodwill that's but we gave we gave most of our stuff away yeah, that's amazing was, mm-hmm. i can yeah. just env- envision myself doing that because like we got rid of so much stuff we literally have like a what was it like a eight by ten trailer full of our stuff and that's it and so maybe we should do it sooner than we thought <laughs> so jody i met your son riley and unfortunately, I didn't. I don't think I met Allison, did I? I don't, I don't think, think so. met Allison. No. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Riley, he is such a fine young man. Like, uh, we hung out in what New York, then Portland, and multiple times, multiple like d- two WDSs. I mean, he is so kind. So, like, I remember we were cleaning up after one of the um, workshops, like at the night, the six month. The traveling with children six months and or more workshop that we went to that was mm-hmm. hosted by, um, what are their Tish, names? Tush Oxenrider. Tush. Yes. How do you pronounce her name? Tush. Yeah. Tish. Tish. Yeah. Tish. And um, why did I forget her name? I just know I know it. Stephanie or Stephanie Langford. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so anyway, after the workshop, I think you went. You left, and then I had to put some stuff away. And Riley gave me a hand, and one of the attendees gave us a ride to um, to the storage place where we put all, all the stuff. And I sat in the back and let them to talk because they were into hostels, both of them. Oh, my gosh. And Riley's such a great communicator. He's so kind. And I'm just like, dude, who is this? Like, his mom raised him so well. And so I want to ask you, like, I have two boys. I want them to grow up to be so mature because he's like, what? He's only like 18? 
He just turned 20. So he's out of the teen years now. He just turned 20 Can you, this like, last summer. Okay, so just spill the beans. Share with <laughs> us your secrets on how to raise such a well-mannered young man. Mm. You know, I wish there was some secret pill. Um, there's not. Actually, we I've always subscribed to having conversations with him just like I would um, anybody else. I, I've never been one to try to talk down to him, although he may think I have. I don't know. He may say something different. But I've really worked hard on with both of my kids keeping that conversation going. I think before he was born, somebody told me one time, to respond and don't react. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I had a lot of reaction in my life when I was growing up, which caused me to tend to shut down a little bit. So I, from day one, have tried to respond and not react to things that they say, to things that they do, to their behaviors. So And that has been so helpful in so many fronts. I haven't always succeeded because there's sometimes you just can't <laughs> hide it. You're like freaked out but you breathe and then say okay let's have a conversation about that okay being honest all of that okay so I'm like writing this down um I think we're talking on one of the workshops and you turned to me and you said respond and don't react I think you shared that to me I, I, I forgot what what it was that we were talking about but could you share an example of how to do that um sure so let me think of the many times. Which one should I do? <laughs> um, so it's like a situation, and I know we've all been in it with parents, especially as your kids get older, and the decisions that they're making are a little more life-altering, right? As they get to an age, all of a sudden you feel that shift as a parent of like, oh my gosh, this could easily send them down a path that I don't want them to go down. Um, and... So Riley, I'll just pick on Riley since we're talking about Riley. Riley had a really rocky time in middle school. He he always chose a path that wasn't, he didn't play football. He was a runner. He didn't really like baseball. He liked it all for the em environment, um, but in the fun of being on a team. But he wasn't, he, he didn't run with the pack. He was always kind of, as my mom called him, a renaissance boy, right? Ooh, he, I love that. He, and that's, and, but, and that's good now. But in middle school, that's a difficult role mm. to play. And so he lost a lot of his friends in middle school and had mm. to make new friends. And he made some choices during that time that definitely I had to just respond. Like one time he was, I'll tell this because it's actually a good story and a good example of kind of responding and not reacting. He was staying at a friend's. I found out through mom, you know, antenna that you, we all have that he had snuck out of the house with his friend and they had gone over and walked quite a ways and done kind of a ding-dong ditch kind of a thing with another friend. And he's like 13 at the time, so him wandering around at 2 in the morning in the streets of Beaverton, you know, is a little disconcerting. Plus, it breaks so many rules on our own front. So I found out about this and when he came home, I casually said, you know, I could have easily launched into him and gone, okay, so I heard that you, you know, instead I said, how was everything over Jeremiah's? <laughs> and he's like, fine. And I'm like, did you do anything? And I've always also told him that oh he's a really, I, I've told both of my kids that they're really bad liars. So I told him and I put that into their lives that you don't know how to lie very well that way, you know, whether they're good at it or not. But anyway, 
Oh and goodness. I always have said, too, if you tell the truth, um, you're going to be in much less trouble than if you try to lie. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I've backed that up with, te- if they tell me the truth, they do get less consequences than if they, because I want to reward the fact, let's be honest. So he, he said something, and I said, did you do, did, what about this situation? And he ended up fessing up to the whole thing. And now I could have, like, really reacted and gone, like, how could you do that and how? But instead I chose to say, okay, what would I, what would I, you know, what, do, what can we learn from this? So he got to go over to his friend's house that he spent the night at. He got to stand in front of the parents and verbally apologize to them for breaking their rules. He apologized to his friend for, you know, really not, you know, for doing this and encouraging. And then he went over to the family that he ding-dong ditched at 2 in the morning. And he got to offer them a formal apology as well and sit down and explain. And that taught him a lot. It taught him that whole, like, okay, I'm responsible for my actions. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. that was really a great lesson, I think. I mean, I see he didn't do it again, but maybe he did and I just didn't catch it. But those are those moments where you can choose to just bring down, you know, just bring it down on them, or you can say, okay, so what can we do that maybe so you can understand why this is an important rule Mm -hmm. to have Mm -hmm. and why this is important for somebody. If a mom gets a doorbell at 2 in the morning, why that could scare her. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so trying to put it in that perspective so that he can see both sides. Um, You know, those that would be a good example of... responding enough like I said I'm not a hundred percent on this but it's something I try to remind myself a lot Mm, Jody that was oh my goodness (laughs) that was so so good and you know I'm I do have fear for the teenage years for my boys um and I'm just I cringe I'm like oh what will happen and of course we should not have fear it's going to be all amazing but having the tools what you just shared with us um, respond, don't react is so helpful. So my reaction would be like, oh, oh my goodness, like, like high pitched, yell, scream, freaking out. Oh my gosh. And respond is to have a normal, calm conversation. So I'm going to be practicing now that they're, they're still younger and I'm going to be definitely practicing for those teenagers and hopefully um, they will come by smoothly. <laughs> Well, you know, that's part of why I'm writing the book, Vicki, is because of the fear that parents have as their kids are hitting the preteen and teen years. And what, um, what I, what's so disturbing to me is that the media's message is so much that we parents need to be a fear, afraid of the teenage years. And we need to, you know, because they're going to turn into hellions and they're going to push our buttons and they're going to push the boundaries. And yeah, they are. But if we go into it believing that that's how it's going to be, then that's how it's going to be. At the same time, kids are hearing this message about their parents not understanding, about their parents being, um, you know, they're just going to ruin your fun. So for me, it's no wonder we're all lining up, ready to fight each other when we hit preteen and teen. So part of the What If, Why Not book and the W3 Factor is starting to kind of switch that story and say, it doesn't have to be that way. Yes, there's going to be turbulence as everybody regains what their balance is and their role and the new way of operating, but it doesn't have to be so much of a fight. It can actually be a really amazing time filled with lots of learning, lots of opportunities, lots of growing on all fronts, 
and a way to bring the family together because at some point uh, we parents do stop asking some critical questions of our kids and we get so focused on their path and making sure that they get to college and making sure that they are this and that that we forget some of the stuff that we did when they were younger which is listen let them dream problem solve with them and give them opportunity to be who they are without trying to change them. So it doesn't have to be a scary time. It can actually be quite fun. So I encourage you to shift that perspective and realize that your boys are going to be just great. They are. They're perfect how they are. And they're going to continue. And you being a conscious parent is going to be an amazing thing for them. So don't fear it. Jody. Embrace it. Thank you. You are such a sweetheart. Thank you so much for giving me hope. And you're so right about the media. It portrays something that is very negative. And it's true. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's freaking out about it. And so um, I thank you so much for giving me the, not the permission, but for encouraging me not to be afraid. And my kids are going to be great. And I think that you are such a beautiful example of having as a mother having such great communication with your children where like i i've seen riley and you interact and you guys are just like the best of friends and he smiles at you and he hugs you and he says the kindest things about you when you're not around so it's it's so inspiring jody like thank thank you so much you're welcome so for those of you watching us live, thank you so much for joining us. Jody is absolutely incredible. And Jody, um, they can find you and your book on The Courage. The, the Courage Vibe. Mm-hmm. The Courage yeah, that, Vibe.com. That has our whole story about the trip. It has our whole. It has um, information on how to get on the VIP list for the, the W3 Factor book, which is going to be launching at the end of the month. And by the way, the book is an inexperiential book. It's not just like sit and read. It's actually a book that helps you and your family start generating conversations by doing experiences and um, ways to live brave, give big, have fun. So you can get on the VIP list off of that page. There's a little link underneath the banner that takes you and you can learn more about it. There's also, since you spoke about Riley, I'm going to pull up his book because he is a published author himself, and he just last night launched his um, website, which is called The Going Goods, but this book here is about how to travel, so if you have kids in your life who are thinking about taking a gap year, if you have kids who are trying to explore, like maybe they're getting ready to go on a trip, this book is written for like millennials, and it's really an awesome book with lots of tips and tools. And that link is also on my website, like in the banner. You'll see a picture of Riley and, and his book and link to the website and all of that. So, yeah, everything's on the Courage Vibe. And I would love, love to have your listeners give me feedback on that and, and give me, shoot me questions and what if, what, how do we do this? Um, all of that. So please, I'm definitely available and would love to chat with them. Thank you so much, Jody, And I will link up to everything that we talked about awesome. in the show notes on mompreneurshow.com. Thank you again, Jody, so much for being here. Welcome. I loved being here, Vicki. You are awesome. And I was talking about you last night to Stephen, um, my friend from, who's been traveling and he's back home and he's yes. like, I love Vicki. And I'm like, yes, Vicki is a sweetheart. And we love watching what you do and how you do it. You Jody, inspire all of us. You're so sweet. Thank you so much. And thank you again so much for coming on. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much.
All right, thank you so much for joining us live on the Mompreneur Show. I loved talking with Jody. As you can tell, I can talk with her forever. I actually just looked at the time and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're 45 minutes in, which is like such a pleasure for me. But I understand you have other things to do. You have your life. You have children to feed, laundry to fold, places to go, places to do, people to see. I'm your host, Vicky Lashenko, and this is the show that features amazing stories of the most remarkable mom entrepreneurs. I really hope that you will join us live next Monday, every single Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. That's right, every single Monday. I really hope you can join us. 